1: Welcome to the There It Is podcast, a comedy podcast to help you find your inspiration. I'm your host, Jason Farr. Let's do this. Thanks so much for joining us. We have a great guest today. It is director Lake Buckley. She is fantastic, and I know personally because she directed me in a commercial, and she was Awesome. And I had to ask her to be on the podcast to talk about her process. She was so gracious with her time to sit with us because she is very busy and she offers so much insight into the world of directing. And I can't wait to share it with you all. So I'll just shut up right now. Here's my chat with Lake Buckley. I am so thrilled that you are on because you've done so much cool stuff. You're award winning and uh, you've worked on a lot of really great projects, Google. Instagram, uh, with pixel. I just, I saw so much really cool stuff that you've done. And I also, if the listener doesn't know, had the pleasure of working with you on a commercial for WhatsApp. I have not seen that ad. How did that come out?
0: Came out great. Yeah. And, uh, your performance was stellar. Um, so yeah, I think it aired for a couple months last year. Did well. Awesome,
1: um, and then awesome. that was
0: the first of like three more rounds that I did with them. So
1: um, oh, cool. thanks
0: to your good acting, things went <laughs> went well with the client.
1: <laughs> well, you're great direction too. You were really intuitive and thoughtful about things. There was a moment in it, and this is why I was saying you're such a, a intuitive and thoughtful director, aside from the vision that you have. You also were aware of what a, a shot may look like, uh, cause it was me and a young woman and I was closing a door on the camera, but I, you know, it was supposed to be like a person walking up and then we're like closing the door on them. And you were like, ah, I don't want it to look, uh, like, like we're, we're getting into some hanky panky or something like that. So try not to nod to that at all. And that was so helpful because that w- that is a concern, you know, especially, In this day and age, where we're trying to be more conscientious of that sort of thing. So uh, I really appreciated that about you.
0: Thank you, Jason.
1: (laughs) Oh, you're very welcome. So a lot of your background has been before you got into directing was design. You were doing in-house design work. When I found out about that, I realized, oh, that must be why your visuals are so stunning because you also Mm -hmm. are so creative when it comes to design. Is that maybe where that came from for you?
0: Yeah, um, that's very um, perceptive to see it that way, because I I definitely identify with a, as a director who comes first from still images. So um, sometimes I think in terms of composition, and um, then have to um adjust that to something that is in motion. But I love thinking about like tight, highly designed compositions and then seeing how I can work that into um, a moving picture. But definitely one of my areas of growth as a director is um constantly thinking about how to bring more movement into my work <clears throat> because I, I naturally um think in terms of the composition. So oh cool. Totally on point there.
1: Oh, yeah. And, and really, they are visually stunning. And I I really suggest that people check out some of your work. And on our YouTube version, we'll put up a couple of ideas of what I'm talking about here, because it's, it's not just what's physically happening on the screen. It's also color. Mm-hmm. You're very good with color. This has got to be the best looking thing I've been in, the WhatsApp commercial. It, I just sit, standing there on set, I could tell how stunning it was going to look. And so all of that kind of conspires for you.
0: Absolutely. I mean, um, and that's very sweet of you. Um, I think coming from um, design background and art background, uh, I spent a lot of time with like color theory and really thinking about the nuance of different shades and really thinking about um, how contrasting colors can work together or just like the tone of a palette and, um, of course, like it's it's really nice to collaborate with the DP too. Um, lighting is one of the most important things that happens on set. And um, there's yeah. like so much to learn about that craft and so many ways to shape a space through light um, and color a space through light that is in addition um, to the set design or can amplify the set design. So I think coming from a design background, I think have grown from thinking about color relationships in terms of set design and wardrobe into really thinking about, um, learning more and more about how, how the lighting plays a role and how that can also be like a, another dynamic moving element, um, in the set that is, is shifting around. So always have been obsessed with color, as you can see in my like <laughs>
1: Yeah, oh, yeah, on but, right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, green and yellow hoodie on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I noticed that too because there was some. I saw a screen while I was on set, and there is this fog coming in that was in the background, and the light was hitting it in such a way where I was like, "This is, this looks like a Spielberg, today. <laughs> you know, like yeah. this is, this was so, it, it's very thought out." Um, and you have. A lot of history with art because you're you're in Brooklyn now, but you are originally from California and you from a young age were doing a lot with art, right? Wasn't that a big part of your studies?
0: Um, Yeah, I think I was lucky um, to grow up with two parents that were very open to cultivating um, a strong relationship with like basically like a hands-on experience with the world. So we were always encouraged to, um, garden or to draw or to paint. Like I was had, like, we always had colored pencils out, always like allowed to make a mess and kind of create a project. So, um, I think that was always, a, uh, as a kid, um, a place that I went to, to entertain myself and mm-hmm. found like a lot of comfort, um, in making um it's like a really nice flow state so it still is the place that is um so one thing i do pretty much where it's easy to like lose track of time forget to eat during the day because <laughs> it just so engage and that yeah. type of that level of like engagement um is something i like chase and and love the feeling of so
1: yeah when you were coming along, you mentioned your parents and how encouraging they were. And then when you got out of school and you didn't immediately go into directing when you graduated, you were in another field, right?
0: Yeah. So I um, after high school, my parents wanted me to get a um I was encouraged to have like a non art school, um, undergrad education. So Mm -hmm. went and studied, um, environmental science and studio art. And after that is when I kind of worked in house at like Levi's and Patagonia nest. And then, um, I realized that I wasn't really getting like a creative, personal creative fulfillment from my work. Um, And so that's when I went to grad school um, to spend a little bit of time really asking myself what I wanted to get out of having a creative profession. Um, And that's when I discovered I was doing graphic design at RISD, but took this experimental film course and just like was obsessed um (laughs) the teacher was amazing and then being able to think in like three dimensions and then but have it flattened into this like 2d plane that I could control compositionally and then also being able to work temporally um I like really loved the like combination of those things and then as as I've Continue to work in that medium, slowly realized I wanted to be a director then and kind of like slowly push my way into that space via art directing, then creative directing. And still like, it's such a collaborative medium. There's like so many, there, it's like infinitely deep. There's so much to learn about it. Um, right. And so that always keeps me like very, very engaged.
1: Right. I'm hearing you're a go-getter because you went for this career and, and you went to grad school. I feel like that encouragement from your parents certainly had to have played a role in your feeling like you could go do that. But you were also very intuitive to be able to say, well, I'm not feeling really fulfilled with my artistic output here. Can you unpack a little bit what that experience is like? Because I, I feel that that's a common thing for people to not feel fulfilled where they're at, but they don't know mm-hmm. how to move out of that. And you very successfully did that. So what kind of advice would you give to someone who's in that same position?
0: That's such a good question. Let's see here. I think doing a little bit of soul searching to kind of figure out what are the aspects, what are the, like the, the things that are causing you lack of satisfaction in your life at that moment. And for me, it was lack of personal expression and lack of like I didn't have any of my own voice in my work. I was executing um, like a corporate vision and I was more of like a tool and I really missed feeling like I had personal expression and what I did. And so knowing that that was the the problem, I felt like I had to a cultivate more of a personal brand and then also just like be as good at my craft as I could be. So um, just really motivated me to work really hard and learn as much as possible. I think one, one way of framing different chapters of life. It's really nice to think about just what tools you're gaining from that job, um, how you can use whatever you're doing to benefit your own personal growth and like overall happiness. Um, and keeping, keeping a vision of like where you want things ahead. So you, on like a daily basis, feel connected to yourself and like, your hope and vision for your own life. So, don't really know if that's a answer to what you asked, but no, no, it is. <laughs> <not happening> <laughs> no,
1: no, well, no, it's great, and it's uh, it's definitely um, a thing we're also maybe trying to figure out because sometimes we just go and do things, and then we can we look back and say, how did I do that? Uh, <laughs> there's certainly there's certainly things I can think back to. I'm like, why did I have the guts to go do that? Totally, totally. You do a lot of commercials, a lot of ads, um, Mm -hmm. and you've done music videos too, haven't you? Or am I mistaken?
0: Not yet. Would love to. Yeah. (laughs) On, On the, hopefully on the horizon.
1: When you get hired to work with a brand, what is, from your perspective, the first thing you have to do in order to eventually direct that commercial?
0: Good question. I mean, I think my first step is always to treat the client or agency as an expert of either that story or that product or whatever it is. Um, start by like asking a lot of questions to make sure I understand what the context of the market is, what the problem is that they're solving, and really just like download myself on as much as I can so that I can cut from off from that research phase and move into more of a creative mindset, knowing mm-hmm. that I have all the uh, informational tools to be generating ideas that actually help solve that brand's communication
1: mm-hmm. challenge. Oh, cool. Yeah. There's so many moving parts to it. You know, there's the yeah. agency, there's the client and there's who wrote the commercial. And then there's lawyers that can sometimes be involved with what you can and can't say. And then the client, wants it to look a certain way or be a certain thing oh, right. and you know uh, clients are probably not the ones you've worked with but there are a lot of clients who famously don't really know what they're asking for and they're <laughs> they're, mm-hmm. they're expecting the world they're expecting a marvel movie but they have the budget for a picnic um mm-hmm. and so <laughs> <laughs> that sort of stuff happens but there's so many moving parts with these with these, and it's just kind of interesting to hear how a director fits into that, and then when I come along as an actor in that, it's it feels like the last person to get brought in to the whole production.
0: Yeah, I think um, for actors, it, it can be nice to, of course, like shelter them from a lot of the chaos of production, and ideally give you the space to focus on your craft and let you know what the story is, um, but ideally give you. As much information as you want, but um, not so much that that you're kind of overwhelmed and distracted from from like the craft at hand. Um, but I right, love yeah. love the process of casting so much, and generally, like the people I cast, they bring such great energy to set and so much talent, and super fun to have that that level of collaboration on set and that kind of new energy after uh, working on a project for generally a few weeks or longer, um,
1: right. before she- how much, uh, and, and this is something uh, when I've worked on smaller productions, cause the commercial I did with you, I'm pretty sure that was the biggest production I've seen for something. And I, I did a TV gig a couple years ago and, uh, that was at a studio <laughs> it was at ABC studios. And I feel like this matched that in level of production. There's so many people on set. Doing amazing work um, in this beautiful house in Brooklyn, mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, we. When I've worked on certain smaller things, you kind of get the a sense that you can throw out ideas. In a in a gig like that one that I was working with, you on, is there a lot of insight that a an actor can. At least with you, can uh, throw out there and say like, "Oh, what about this? Is that something that
0: someone yeah, could really do?" That's, that's a really um, interesting question, and I feel like it's very dependent on um, the. It's a case by case situation. Right. Um, I think to your previous point, sometimes there can be so much additional context uh, informing the way that someone should be behaving or acting um, that sometimes there's not time to download someone on that, all that additional context right. so that the talent has all the information they need to, um, perform in ways that, you know, uh, are suited for the way that the client and blah, 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 the agency are expecting. Um, so, and it depends, you know, sometimes shoot days, it's like, 12 hour a day, and every uh, second of the day feels like a rush. Um, and so, in an ideal world, absolutely like collaboration and having more of a back and forth relationship um, is ideal. And that's always my default. Like, you are the mm-hmm. expert of what you do. Yeah, and you let
1: us improvise. I want to,
0: like, I, yeah, and I want to tap into that and, like, um, and, like, co-create something uh rather than only the limitation of my own perspective. So right. um that is like absolutely an ideal outcome, but um not always possible just due to like limitations of time. Um so it's a it's a fine balance
1: for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I bet it would change project to project. It was cool that we got to just say whatever and still try to act out what you needed us to act out. That was a fun challenge and um, I feel like we had a great time doing it.
0: Yeah. I think it's, I think um, it's very easy to read when someone is acting versus like when they're uh, super in character um, and being more natural to themselves and ideally creating a situation where someone um, is able to feel empowered to act how they genuinely want to, like usually that gets a better performance um, and so I, I, my best case scenario is creating the conditions for someone to, um, act out a scene and, but like creating the world and then let, letting you play in it so that mm-hmm. everything that you generate in terms of performance is as natural and authentic to you as possible. So, um, it's definitely the ideal for me.
1: Cool. This has been great. I, I I could talk to you forever, but I think it is the the time for us to create something together here at the end of the episode. Do it. Which would be more interesting to you? Sharing how you come up with visual things and match colors, or talking about how you would do a sketch video?
0: Um, I think the the how I concept and idea and think of visuals is more in line with what I do regularly. <laughs> right, so let's right.
1: do that. <laughs> yeah. Okay, cool. Let's do it. As we were talking earlier, you, you love colors and you also love the movement and you find ways to match it. And you're also looking at color palettes and what matches and what can bring out certain things. So what are you looking for? Like, what is the starting point? How are you ultimately matching things? Mm
0: again, very project dependent. And I think that that phase of thinking about, um, color and tone is, it's kind of like the icing on the cake that comes towards Uh, the end of the process. So,
1: um,
0: at that stage, um, the, the core of the like creative concept, um, uh, that like conceptual container has been established that is going to hold up against like brand strategy, and that is, um, going to also, um, ideally like find a home within the hearts and minds of the, whatever audience is receiving it. Uh Um, and then, um, then, uh, once the, like that concept is, is, um, baked, then thinking about how does that concept inform the methods of making? So how does that, um, inform, Uh, the motion or the um, lighting or the uh, set design or the type of characters we're casting. And how does that idea trickle through every detail of production um, and every like nuance of the way that something is made? So um, if like, for example, there's like a great lore pack, which is a butter film and the whole thing is about smoothness and like spreading butter and if you watch the film you'll notice that every camera movement is like a really beautiful sliding pan so like that that message is like clearly reflected in the movement of the camera um in this like very abstracted elegant way Um, or um so you know things Things like that. How can this affect, like the the camera movement? How can this affect um, the set design, the lighting? And then, if it's branded content, you know, maybe of course the brand is going to want uh, some aspects their
1: colors of palette
0: in there. So <laughs> right. how to how to include that in ways that maybe feel either hyper branded and um, intentional from a design standpoint, or hyper natural and just like built into the atmosphere and scene of that piece yeah so so that's kind of like the the world um that i'd be living in and color is like i love and it's definite. It, it's kind of like the the finishing touches that come towards yeah. the end of production when you really get to cross your t's and dot your
1: i's oh cool yeah i love how you described that about you know when it was a butter ad uh you you're thinking about the smoothness of it so you're doing smooth Transitions or, or, or movements of the camera—that's uh, so cool. I, I, it makes me wonder, like, if I did a, if I had you direct a commercial for this podcast, how would you think to visualize audio? Would your mind go straight to audio waves and think of a interesting way to visualize waves? Is that mm. the sort of idea that we're talking about?
0: Yeah and I think for this um I see what you do much more as uh like interpersonal discovery than having to do a sound. So yes it's a podcast but what you're doing is really investigating uh the way that someone thinks, trying to understand um the their personal type of creativity and how they have unlocked that within themselves and how that functions. So if I was to tell a story about uh, this podcast, I would spend um, time thinking about, uh, and I know that you interview a, a host of different peoples, comedians, directors, writers. Um, and so I would think in like abstract and more metaphorical ways about what those different types of creativity feel like and how to, uh, visually express those things and like the huge variety of personalities and mindsets that you're extracting from people. So that would kind of be where oh. I would start. Um, and then I would try to, uh, tell a compelling story that could get other people interested in, um, kind of jumping inside the the minds of other people.
1: That's super cool. Well, thank you for sharing your mind with us and letting us jump into it. There it is. Thanks so much for coming (laughs) on the podcast, Lake.
0: Thank you so much, Jason. I really appreciate uh, spending time with you and all of your lovely questions. It was a treat.
1: Oh, my gosh. It was our treat to have her. She was really fantastic. And I hope you enjoyed that. And you can find out more about Lake at lakebuckley.com. We'll definitely have the link to that in the bio, and you can check out some of her work. She's so, so good. If we can get our hands on the WhatsApp commercial, we will put it in the YouTube version of this episode so you can see the work I did with Lake, and you can subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash thereitis, and also follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at thereitispod, and follow me on Twitter at jasonfarrjokes and Instagram at jasonfarrpicks. Also, subscribe to our Comedy Lifestyle newsletter and subscribe Support us if you can. Go to thereitispod.com for newsletter and support info, links, and bio. Until next time, be good to each other.
0: The music for the theme song was created by Neil Brooks. The rap was written and performed by Nick Acevedo. The logo for There It Is was created by Jeff Prater. The There It Is podcast is produced by Jason Farr.